Hey guys, before we get started, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod and website launchpadpod.com. Check us out on YouTube where we're huge in India now. Thanks to RRR. <laughs> Thanks to all of our friends, our new friends. All of our our, our friends. <laughs> we're checking out our RRR video. Our RR video. We really appreciate you guys listening, interacting, giving us a lot of information about like what some of this actual stuff is. Because we, from the get go, are like, yeah, we're idiots. We don't know. And so this people, will not be a historical podcast, just so yeah, everyone knows. Yeah. So people really filled us in on some good information about what this movie was about and like what was happening and what was the you know the attitude to it is. And and it was it was very you know there's some really some great information. So thanks to everybody who reached out to us. And made it one of our biggest episodes ever. It didn't beat the female wrestling video, but it got pretty close. But it's only been here for, it's only been up for what, four or five days, something like that. Right. And we're getting pretty, you know, we, we threw some numbers down on that stuff. But I, anyway, big, big shout out to all of our new listeners and new friends. I hope some of you are still listening to us and come from that right into it. We have a huge backlog. We've been doing this for how many years, Rumi? Five years? No, it's got to be more than that. Oh, my God. We've been doing it right? for so long we don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Trust us. It's been a long time. Trust us. We have lots of good episodes. Dolph Lundgren's been on the show. Uh, Carl Gottlieb's been on the show. We're on the show a lot. Um, we're two <laughs> handsome boys. Yes, there's a lot of handsome boys on the show. We're two handsome boys who like pizza. So listen in. Yeah, I think if you listen, that's that's a good way to say it. This is a, a show about two handsome boys boys who like pizza <laughs> the way we do i mean if you're just tuning in for the second time we'll toot our own horn we have some really cool interesting fun guests some really fun nerdy stuff we do with them we've Incredible. been to a bunch of different comic cons and done some really interesting random meetups there with different uh celebrities comic book creators directors actors it's just we i mean just we keep getting these awesome people that we talk to and then the other half of the show is me and Rumi just nerding out about whatever we love. Is it a sideshow statue? Say sideshow statue. Sideshow statue. Sideshow. If it's a new sideshow statue, toys, comics, movies that we've watched, movies that we've liked, movies that we hate. And uh, we like to crack each other up and took our show on the road. And you are that road, India. We've been doing this since. Yeah, right. We've been doing it since 2017, man. This is our oh, seventh so year. Seven years. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, man. So good. Mm. So fun. Uh, two years we did it like every week, which was too much for us to handle. So now we're bi-weekly. But uh, today, Matt, uh, I we watched you know, the, the new Scream movie, Scream 6. But I have to tell you, uh, that was that was Ghostface Takes Manhattan. Um, and <laughs> yeah. as far it's as... It's that movie where Ghostface ends up on a boat for two-thirds of the movie, <laughs> punches a kid's head off in Manhattan, and the credits roll. Basically. After he sees um, a giant screen billboard. <laughs> I like, I'm sorry. I like that movie. That's dumb and it's not a great movie, but it's I like it. It is. It is. I think it's the worst Jason movie. Jason Takes Manhattan 8. I think it's the worst huh. Jason movie. I don't know that I would disagree, but I like it. That's fine. They're it all the same. It should be so. called Jason on a Boat to New York is what it should be called. <laughs> Jason that would Takes make... the Ferry. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Takes the Ferry to Manhattan. That would, I'd feel less lied to, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> but you don't go to New York, like a trip to New York does not kill a franchise, right? Uh, no, no. Because that's, that's not, that's not like what fucks up a horror franchise. Cause it's, I mean, Scream just went to New York. 
and that franchise is still strong. Still you don't, real strong. I, I can't think of any other movies like Freddy didn't go to New York, and after that, it was terrible. Michael Myers didn't go to New York, and that's terrible. Where do where do franchises go to die? Uh, space, bro. Uh, yeah, they go I, up. I don't know why I have never thought about this. Friday the Thirteenth doesn't have a part nine. They just literally jump to X, right? Jason part- goes to hell. Oh yeah, Jason goes to hell is nine <laughs> technically, but it's not his name, so it doesn't it doesn't numerically well, it's stand because, up for me. Well, I'm sorry that licensing doesn't work in a way for you to remember. <laughs> yeah, well, I need that numeric uh, numeric mental device. F and hell, man. Jason goes to hell. Did he went to hell and it didn't kill the franchise? <laughs> yeah that's true yeah that's right that's like you could get away with going to the afterlife but once you go to fucking space you're done there's no I disagree because i think i think jason goes to space is one of the better movies but how many more jason movies became after that one which one the remake the crossover the remake doesn't count i count that well, different but the, the, crossover, the crossover yeah okay two crossover is a different deal yeah and that didn't really acknowledge that he was in space Right. Jason Jason Ted was fun and I don't want to say good, but it was good. Like it was fine. It was definitely not the worst Jason movie. I mean, look, people say that franchises go to space to die. Today we're talking about a long running franchise, Scream, and how ah! we envision it in space. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Lift off. We have a lift off. All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt, we got a really fun episode today. I'm super excited. By the way, Matt, there. Somebody's in the waiting room. I don't normally allow guests on this thing. Should, should we let them in? What? I'm worried. Should I don't we? even know how anyone got our number. Yeah, pick it up. All right. Click. Hello? Who's there? Uh, hello? Who is this? This is the Launchpad this Podcast. Is the, the, <laughs> it's the Handsome Boys. Who's this? Well, if you don't know already, then you don't deserve to know. Oh. I just want to say one thing. Why is Freddy looking over you instead of me? Oh, my God. This is the second time this has happened. Every time we do a Scream episode, Ghostface ends up calling us. Oh, this is insane. Uh, well, we were just going to talk about uh, the, the franchise going to space, which we think is what's happening next. Uh, 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 Mr. Ghostface, do, do you think you're going to space anytime soon? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome to the Launchpad Podcast once again, the one and only Roger Jackson. How's it going, Roger? Hey, how you doing there, Matt? How you doing, Aaron? <laughs> Great, man. Thank you so much for being here again. We, I mean, it's one of our legendary episodes. You you calling in and tricking me, had me going for like 10 minutes. <laughs> just, just sheer- If you guys haven't heard that, go listen to our two-part <laughs> Scream episode from a couple of years ago. Uh, I got in touch with Roger. Rumi and I were going to do a Scream breakdown of the whole series and Roger called in as ghost, Ghostface. Aaron didn't know it was happening. And Roger scared the shit out of him talking about his dog, <laughs> what shirt he had on. Oh, man. That's got to be one of the best, greatest things I've ever done to you, Rumi. Uh, one of the best pranks of all time. Payoff big time. But thank you, sir, for coming on the show again. And uh, we're, we're delighted to have you. 
is my pleasure. Good to talk to you guys again. Absolutely. This time, those- I get I get to see your place. Last time <laughs> <I don't. laughs> yeah. See my reaction. Uh, so, like I said, we, we're talking about movies and franchises that go to space, specifically Scream, because this is, I mean, we're now six movies in. How long before a movie goes to space? What is the acceptable number of iterations before a movie ends up among the stars, right? Please, please, that is a big shark to jump. <laughs> big. An interstellar shark. Well, let's see. <laughs> Leprechaun and Hellraiser were both four, yep. right? The Both of those were the fourth installment when they went to space. Um, <laughs> Jason who else was is 10. A really good? The- Jason, yeah, Jason is 10. Yep. Okay. I mean, what I think, can you think of one earlier than four? I can't. Uh, Airbud, uh, one of the early Airbuds goes to space, space buddies, space buddies, buddies. <laughs> I love the idea of them being in the pitch room for for Airbud, and they're like, "Okay, we've done however many movies, we need to do another one." Where has Airbud not been before? Uh, space. space. <laughs> I love it. Green light. Brilliant. <laughs> I mean, you have uh, Roger. Do you have any any space sequels? That either you like or you dislike anyone that you note one way or another. Uh, no, not for no, not for franchise. You know, I I love science fiction in general, but some things need to stay on Earth. <laughs> it is one of the best way to tank a franchise, right? Like what mo- what franchise went to space that wasn't originally in space and then continued to do well. I can't think of any. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I mean, I mean, Jason is a possible exception, but Jason's never going to die anyway. He keeps <laughs> like you can reboot that thing any nine million ways from Sunday and it'll be he'll be fine. I actually think it's a stronger entry in the series. So I'm in the minority there. Oh, and it I actually agree. Spawned, it's not a bad movie. It spawned a huge book series <laughs> of Jason in space books. <laughs> Is it like a young adult romance novel? There's no, there's three. Jason what kind of- in space, 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 space. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically that. It's three books. I've, about I didn't him know in that. Space. Did you? How did you find that out online? Yes, I've been trying to get a hold of them, but now they're like, what's he? They're really expensive. What's he doing? What's he doing up there? <laughs> Looking for teenagers? <laughs> yes, he finds a. a camp Is it related space. to the movie? Yes. Yeah. 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 But by the third one, that would from, be bitching him killing people in space camp. Yeah. But in the All third right. one, it's from the nanobots point of view that that remake him. It's crazy. It's crazy, dude. They're they're bonk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. But yeah, no, I, they're, they're never good. I mean, Pinhead in space actually isn't that bad. And it's not about him being in space. It's kind of like a history. And like the space station is a small part of it. It's not the worst in space iteration. <laughs> No, but that movie's kind of a mess too, because the the in context the timeline is all over the place. They're trying to tell three different time frames in, in the in the narrative of the story. Uh, I actually read a little bit about this. Kevin Yeager was supposed to be the director of that, and he's a big horror guy. We know him from a lot of different horror movies, big ones. This is supposed to be his directorial debut, and he washed his hands of it. There was another guy who had directed chunks of it. But can you imagine, like, we've all been on movies, right? Can you imagine how bad a movie is that the director is like, take my name off? Yeah, yeah. This is my that's big some chance. shit right there. This is my that's big Alan chance. Smithy. Yeah, he yeah, Alan that's Smithy. What it, that's what he got. Yeah, Alan Smithy for Bloodline. There was a co-director, but he, 
I guess there's a technical number, like a, an, an actual number that you need to hit of what percentage you need to do to be a co-director or like a, a, an additional director. And he didn't meet that. So they literally, the studio had to put Alan Smithy there because there was literally no directors that wanted to put their name on it. <laughs> and I just, well, what does it. that tell you, fellas? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, one thing is, remember, all these guys have some kind of supernatural element to them. And the thing about Ghostface that really makes him monstrous or her monstrous is that it's anybody and everybody mm-hmm. that you see on the street. Nothing supernatural, just psychotic. It's true. And yeah, that's part just of the thing. Psychotic. Yeah. That's <laughs> part of the thing that that Aaron and I were knocking around because like a couple it was actually a couple couple episodes ago, we came up with the idea of Scream in Space as a joke. And then we were like, wouldn't it be funny if, wouldn't it be funny if and then we started saying ideas that were like, well actually I would watch that movie. I don't I know it's not Shakespeare, <laughs> but I think that would quote unquote work for the 6th or 7th movie in a in a horror franchise. And then we started to like, all right, wait, could we actually put together a semi watchable movie like this? So we did it and we kept having these conversations of like, wait, wait, wait. That's too fantastical. And then the other one of us would fire back with like we just had him crush a person with a such and such. How is that too fantastical? But then we were talking about the rules that really do separate Scream from some of the other slashers and some of the other horror movies. It was it was a, it was a, it was a fun exercise to do. So you want to start uh, going through some of that shit, Rumi? You'll see see what we think, see what listeners <laughs> yeah. think, and I definitely want to see what what both Roger and Ghostface make of Scream Seven in space. Nobody can hear you, Scream Seven. <laughs> In space, nobody can scream, period. I like that better as a title. It is a better title. (laughs) So, on the ISS, space the International Space Station, a shipment of supplies have arrived. It's nighttime, and there are a group of CEOs from Earth that are touring the station, but it's, it's sleepy time for them. Included in this group is a producer of a major movie studio, the studio who produced Stan in the shipment. There's an unexpected container, a box full of ghost face masks. And uh, an astronaut, our new Casey, finds them. Hmm, strange. This is when we get our first phone call. There is a transmission from ground control. It's very late. So it's strange to hear from Houston. The astronaut does not know who it is. It's ghost face. <laughs> That's how we kick it off. That's how we kick it off in the International Space Station. Um, this was inspired by... Uh, there, there, there was a true story of an astronaut, uh, Scott Kelly, snuck aboard a giant gorilla suit aboard the ISS, uh, the International Space Station, and jumped out of a box <laughs> and chased people all across it dressed as a gorilla. We'll throw that uh, YouTube pitch up. So that was my idea for like, well, if somebody can do that on the ISS, then we could put Ghostface up there for sure. So the first kill, suddenly the container that had the Ghostface masks bursts open. A ghost face chases the astronaut through the station, pounding against the window of the ISS. The first astronaut is killed. One of the masks floats through the air and collides with floating blood. Title card! I mean, I know You guys know the bromance here on the Launchpad podcast. I will buy anything that Aaron is selling because he just puts his whole soul into it. Like, (laughs) I happen to think this is funny and I could certainly see this and Lord knows I've watched worse movies this week and it's monday but like i I, just based on how excited he gets right now if i was a studio i'd be like here you go here go ahead do what you want to do kid (laughs) i mean some people are walking out of the movie there roger you still watching have you walked out of the movie theater at this point i'm still here aaron 
Yeah. Right behind <laughs> you. Oh, shit. <laughs> Actually, is that I see Robocop and Ed 2000 back there, is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ghostface is back there. He's 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 front front and center on my on my on my tier down here next to I got a uh, Leatherface and Pinhead and Candyman. He's he's on there with my with my my big heavy hitters, my my all my, all my slashers. The heavy hitters, the the big slashers. Candy who? <laughs> Candy who? Candyman. Candy who? Candyman. Candyman. Yeah. Don't say it three more times that we would, we would <laughs> pop up in your house. That's going to be our next episode is the Scream crossover. <laughs> yeah, when they finally get the Scream versus Chucky or something like that. Like, oh. oh, God. <laughs> that would be atrocious, but I would watch it. I mean, I would at least watch it. I might buy it, but I would definitely watch it. <laughs> mm. What are some of your favorite space movies, Roger? Do you have any that are like, I mean, like, Obviously, Apollo 13 is one of the most classics of all time. What are some of your favorite in-space movies? Well, Alien, of course. I mean, the first time I saw Alien, I was, I couldn't, I had nightmares all night long, which is, I'm usually, I'm pretty jaded, but uh, boy, that got right to me. (laughs) Did you see it in theaters on the initial run in 79? Oh, yeah. Very definitely. That's Uh, fantastic. Great, great. uh, Great cast, great production, great script, everything about it. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, space. Uh, movies in space. Uh, uh, you know, actually, uh, continuing with Alien, I really liked the um, Jean Genet Alien Resurrection. A lot of people didn't, or from what I heard, but I liked it a lot. I'm a big Jean Genet fan, though. Jean Genet and Mark Caro. Yeah, City of Lost Children and those sort of things. Yeah, Delicatessen. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great movie, Delicatessen. It's definitely, you know, it's, it's like one of those things when the people bitch about like the new Star Wars movies. It's like, we don't like it because it's a different feeling and a different flavor than what we're used to. And like, yes, I agree with that, but I don't think that's necessarily bad. And I think huh, when you think of the new Ridley Scott Covenant and alien movies that he's making, those don't feel like alien movies but at least I think Resurrection fit in the world. It didn't break any of the rules that we'd already established. Uh, you know, it changed characters and changed the looks of some things, but I don't think that's bad enough fourth movie of a series, right? But you had a great cast, too. I mean, Ron Perlman is just mm-hmm. amazing. Brad yeah. Dourif is the doctor. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Winona Ryder was perfect in what she did. And, of course, Ms. Weaver. Always Jenny fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always fantastic. Um, Some really notable sequences, like the underwater stuff was great. You have Um, one of a paradigm sequence. This movie created the clone that you come into the room full of other clones that are failed clones. And there's the one that's like, kill me. That is now a blueprint. People use it over and (laughs) over and over again. That is famous. That is an iconic scene to me. And people do not give this movie credit for that. No. So do we have to put a clone, a ghost face clone sequence in ours now? Sydney <laughs> Sydney yeah. Prescott comes up and finds a bunch of ghost face clones. But the, the the fucked up one that she finds, he doesn't say kill me. He says kill you. <laughs> well, there are already ghost face clones. Just look at the opening sequence in number two. All that's right. Through the theater. That's right. Because <laughs> that's it. Ghost face is everyone or could be everyone. You know, it's like... Uh, it's like uh, Goethe said, I firmly believe that with the slightest shift in my character, there is no crime I could not commit. 
And when you That's say so it, it sounds shit. creepy as shit. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so true though. Like I, I think there really is, you know, the, the thin line between villain and hero sometimes, you know, Batman, Batman's like one wrong person away from just being a, a villain. He's, 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 he's that thin, thin line between him and Joker. I think they always play that up as part of, part yeah. of the, 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 the dichotomy of him. Very definitely. The vigilante. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> How far is too far? Well, when you're a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> so, continuing on with Scream in Space, if I may, <laughs> Act One, things are going bad on the ISS. The CEOs are like, we got to get out of here. And they're like, we can't yet. We're refueling your ship. You're stuck there for a few more days on the ground in mission control. The news is showing up and the story is beginning to develop. And our old friend Gail Weathers finally shows up. To report on the situation that's developing upon the ISS, we meet new characters. We revisit old ones. This is this is the moment in in the movie where they set the stage, and um, this is when suddenly we get a phone call from space, and it's Ghostface. And what are the demands? This killer finds out that they want to take the franchise to space to kill the series because everybody knows that's what happens when a franchise goes to space. They demand that the actress who plays Sydney Sydney Prescott in the Stab franchise be brought before them, and in these movies, played by Tori Spelling. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's like, do we send this actress to space? She will obviously die. Um, she says she's down for it though, because she's like, you know, hey, I've I've survived nine of these movies at this point. <laughs> Six of these movies at this point, whatever it is, uh, I I think I can survive the rigors of space, right? <laughs> and I love that because that's like definitely movie logic and of course horror movie logic where they're like, should we send an actress who like it's not even she's a space actress. It's not even like she's known for space movies. She's known for screen movies. And they're like, well, maybe we should send her up because she knows the premise of this game. Yeah. All right. Well, suit, her, suit her up. Don't tell me. It, don't tell me that Gail Weathers is stowing away on the ship. <laughs> that would be a great trope. I don't think we hit that one though. Yeah, throw we can the distribution off. The whole thing will go. <laughs> oh, that's let's let's stow Dewey away. Dewey should be stowed away. Dewey's dead, bro. He has Remember? been stowed away. <laughs> no, he, yes, but that is the clone of Dewey. We find out in this one. Just can you imagine David Arquette falling out of a box? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute! I, uh, if there was ever an actor in Hollywood to fall out of a box, surprised like as surprised as the audience was, I think it was David Arquette. He's a funny guy. I've never, yeah. men- I never mentioned this before, but on the first uh, film we were doing a take where he comes running out of the room uh, because the some of the people are screaming, the girls are screaming. On the first take. He came out in tidy whities with a giant teddy bear and a Magnum 45. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do this for real now. <laughs> that is not in the DVD special features. I would have remembered that. Yeah, well, <laughs> he'll probably beat me up now for saying that. <laughs> I hope he does it in the it same was, costume. It was hilarious. <laughs> I've I've heard nothing but nice things for uh, for him. Yeah, Jenner Ortega says uh, he was so nice and like on the set, like he would do like like meditation with people and like um, yeah. I hear he's just the nicest guy on set, which that's good to hear. We need more of that. Well, he's a certified Bob Ross painting instructor. That's so. what it was. Happy accidents, man. There are there's nothing wrong. It's all just happy accidents. <laughs> what 
what if Ghostface was was teaching people to paint? What, would there be happy accidents, or would it just be <laughs> would it be Jackson Pollock blood splatters? There's a little there's a little bit of red. We'll just you know just a little campfire. We'll put it here. There you go. <laughs> of course, David Arquette is from a powerhouse acting family. I mean, that, right. All of them, the dad, Lewis, who I used to know, and he was in one of the screens. And, uh, and um, Patricia was just, God, I loved Medium so much. What a great series that was. Yeah. But she's they're just uh, powerhouse actors. She's definitely one of those that, like, if you watch two of her different movies or different shows back to back, they're very different. She doesn't just play one type of person, one type no. of character, you know? No, she's, she's brilliant. How do you feel All about right, Rooms, two- Where are we? Uh, well, I was. I wanted to. I wanted to ask one question. When we last saw our CEOs, they were <laughs> so up up in the space station. They they assume that the the CEO of the Stab franchise, uh, they assume he's one of the killers because they're like, you send all the ghost face masks up, and he was like, hey, cross promotion, guys. How could I not? It'd be great to you know. And and everybody's getting at each other's nerves. People are still dying mysteriously. Somebody's taking the cameras offline so they can't see what's happening up there. Pretty dangerous, uh, dastardly stuff. Back on Cape Canaveral, a launch happens. We assume they're sending Tori Spelling to space. She, you know, you you hear her voice through the intercom. They think it's happening. The rocket goes up and docks with the ISS. And when the doors open, he didn't get the actress that played Sidney Prescott. He got Sidney Prescott. We have Nev Campbell in space. I don't want that to be like she walks through the umbilical in full on like <laughs> astronaut gear. So you can't see her face. Big gold helmet face mask <laughs> and she comes in and unmasks and it's nev campbell how cool would that be <laughs> there's got to be a good a good one-liner for that too i mean in yes, my head it's cries all through the audience <laughs> <laughs> she's like i wasn't letting tori spelling play me this time <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me that's mm. funny um so yeah so now we have the real sydney prescott up there she's going to end this once for all gail weathers either snuck on board or she's she's helping back down on on the uh, admission <laughs> control with Tori Spelling and suddenly Ghostface comes through and he reminds them there's always two killers and Gail Weathers is attacked by a Ghostface down at Houston mission control chasing her through all the computers and ashtrays <laughs> <laughs> okay oh yeah let's set it in the 80s Rumi that's a good idea I'm going to the concession stand right now. Pardon me. Some raisinets, I think. I don't know if we're killing the franchise right now, but we're killing Roger Jackson. He's just like, oh, why did I agree to this? How do you feel about 2001 A Space Odyssey, Roger? How do you feel about but that classic? How do I feel about it? Yeah, what do you think? Well, number one, Kubrick is my favorite director, and I have a lot of directors I like, but Kubrick is my favorite director. When... When the price of laser discs and players dropped, uh, so that people could actually afford them, and I went, I went and bought a laser disc player. The first two films I bought were Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey and Seven Samurai. Oh, Kira Kurosawa! You bet. Another great director, great film. But uh, of course, my pirate intention was to copy off the videotape all these laser discs which have better quality but of course i ended up buying the disc after disc after disc because mm-hmm. quality was just so great and then so good technology evolves and now i think we're waiting for bubble chips now right like yeah. in uh the running man you know yeah exactly scan it out of the palm um 
I, so I, I, my dad worked for RCA and I met one of his coworkers once and he had a laser disc player sitting over there, just like sitting on the wall, unplugged. And I was like, cool laser disc player. Does it work? He's like, nah, something's wrong with it. Like it's something melted inside. I was like, well, can I have it if I can fix it? And he was like, well, yeah, sure. Okay. And I went home and I took the thing apart. I took all the melted pieces out and I rebuilt them out of like paper clips, rubber bands, and toothpicks <laughs> and, and hot glue. And I put it all back together and it worked. I was going to say, it was the shittiest quality laser disc you've ever saw. It was all sepia toned. <laughs> the people look like stick figures. <laughs> no, I, I got it to work because it was just some rubber gasket pieces that had melted. It wasn't the, the electronic components. And I showed him that I got it to work because what was actually broken was like the disc ejector pieces. It wasn't even like the machine mm. itself. And he was like, I have a box in my basement of every laser disc that was released the first year that this model came out. And he gave it to me. And I had a huge collection of just like awesome laser discs. Like all of it lost it all in a flood. The whole thing, all of it got ruined in a flood. Man. Can laser discs get ruined in a flood? Uh, no, but when you just look at a box of soggy paper and a bunch of scratched up laser discs, you're just kind of like, because uh, they're like records, you know? The thing that yeah. always killed me yeah. about those was they like it was quality and I understood that <clears throat> but so many of them had either an un at that point unreleased on video cut or special features or deleted scenes or something like that that did not seem to be available at least what is this back in like the 90s right any it, those things were not available in other formats or in other places and it drove me crazy that those things existed but I didn't have access to them <laughs> could have just went to your flood yeah, they did. I would have went well. to your house room and I would have been like, Rumi, I could fix those laser discs. If I fix those, could I have those? <laughs> and you would just well, kind of like a big pile of soggy ones. Yeah. There was stuff on laser discs that is still not available in other forms of video. And only recently have I seen like uh, The Wind with Lillian Gish, which is a great silent film where a woman murders the, her would be rapist. But they live in the middle of nowhere and the wind just howls all the time. And of course, the one disc I was too slow to get because I heard about it too late and they took it off the market. That Roger Rabbit laser disc where with the, the camping and all the bees attacked them and all mm -hmm. the bees were caricatures of Disney animators. Oh, and they, they yanked that disc right quick. <laughs> and re oh, replace wow. the scene. I wish I had. I wish I had a golden grail, the holy grail of laser discs, or maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I, but, I, uh, I think Roger Rabbit is one of the greatest achievements in animation. I, I really do. I think it's an achievement in special effects, animation, ingenuity, all the, all above, you know, before computers to be able to pull that off. So, like, I definitely see that as a, a huge, yeah. uh, you know, this is cut. one of the, the cartoons, cartoons, uh, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, I mean, uh, the original Star Wars, the unedited, un-CGI'd original cuts of Star Wars were only on Laserdisc for the longest time. Yeah, I mean, but thank, I mean, things have evolved so much. We got, uh, got um, so many Blu-rays and, and DVDs are so great because, for one thing, they're smaller. And, uh, you know, when Laserdisc first came out, you had to flip the disc, stop in the middle of the movie and flip the disc. Then they started making the players... So they didn't, you didn't have to do that. But now there's so many, for those of us who are film fans, you get all these extras that are great. Like just today, I saw uh, that there's a new Blu-ray of Curse of the Werewolf with Oliver Reed, where um, mm -hmm. th they have interviews with the, uh, with uh, some of the survivors 
and some of the people who are still around. And I can't wait to get my claws on that. That would be a good episode to do. And Roger, you'd be a good person to do it with. Would be what are our movies that we would buy on any format that they release it on? Because I know Aaron has some. I know I have dozens that like yeah. anytime they release a new DVD, I'm buying it again. I'm a sucker exactly. every time. You're, you're just like me because uh, there's always something new. It's been restored in some way or there's new information. Uh, My wife cannot understand that. Like, I think academically she understands that there's something new that the older one doesn't have. But she's like, do you need both? And I'm like, yeah, yes. It's my collection. I have. I, I, like, I have like eight copies of Predator. I have like six of Child's Play, but they're all a little different. Yeah. Well, you, we just keep recollecting the same things over and over. I mean, I've got The Prisoner with Patrick McGowan on videotape, laser disc, DVD. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen any Blu-rays, but uh, it, as soon as they come, I'll grab them because that's one of the greatest things ever made for television. Number that's six. the danger that I always hit, though, where you're like... Wait, like something hasn't been released on a format yet. So you're like, all right, should I get the DVD? And then you look up the British import and you're like, okay, I'll spend the money to get that. And then you get it. And then like two weeks later, Shout Factory announces the nice new Blu-ray with the two disc edition. And it's, ah. That's why I have the German version of Jason X in space. (laughs) 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 Because it was the only one that had the unrated cut on it. And it came as a twofer where Jason goes to hell also unrated which has never been released until until they did it with the uh the the special edition box set but uh, is it yeah. German oh, jason jason yeah right I mean, yeah i would watch the shit out of that if that's what it sounded like because you don't need you don't need dialogue in a jason movie right if you've heard of it you know what it's about <laughs> yeah oh, that's <laughs> And we oh. got here from 2001. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, if you walk it back. Well, the 2001 riff is going to be, I think, I want to open Scream in Space with a Ghostface stabbing that happens. Ghostface, you know, ch- attacks somebody, gets them on the ground. Then the camera uh, tilts up. So all you see is sky. And then you see Ghostface's gloved hand bring up the knife, bring it down, bring it up again. And there's blood on it. Bring it down. That when he brings it back up again, it dissolves into the space station, which is the same shape as the <laughs> knife that he's holding. <laughs> Damn, oh. now, now we're classing this Scream 7 up. Oh, all there to the soundtrack go. of Thus Spoke Xanathustra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some highbrow shit right there. Cut to the Maybe blue the disco version from uh, the 70s. <laughs> yeah, now you got it. Was that Deodato who did that? I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I know that one. Um, oh man, yeah. All right, we're I, we're we're on Act Two now, right here. Act Two. Let's get to some of these kills, Rumi. You just mentioned Gesundheit. one. Gesundheit. <laughs> <laughs> the one that I want to talk about is is you know again a two thousand one sort of when when you have a spacewalk and somebody's out on the out on the outside of the space station trying to repair something that's broken. It's very dangerous. You could float away at any moment, and the situation gets more and more dangerous because they're running out of mm-hmm. oxygen and they try to get to the airlock. But who's inside the airlock? Ghostface. And he's like taunting them from inside and their oxygen is dropping and Ghostface blows the pressure release, sending the person flying into space. Ooh, floating off into the distance alone. <laughs> Just like in 2001. You could have some good taunting going on during that sequence, too. You absolutely could. I mean, anytime you have Ghostface look at you through a window, you know you're in deep shit. Like that was always 
the thing that I thought about this, the Scream franchise that was so scary is when he would look at, like, you'd look out a window and he'd look at you through the other side of it. Like, that, you know, that's just, I don't know, something scary about that because you know that that barrier isn't going to last for long. Ooh, that's, uh, that's the wolf outside the pig's house. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, like, what traumatized Aaron as a kid, window-wise, to put that fear in there. I was I was in college. Mm-hmm. It was a clown. There was a clown on the other side of the window. Well, I remember when I was in first grade, we had a copy of uh, of um, the Three Little Pigs, uh, this book, and the the art was incredible. It just scared the hell out of me. The the third little pig is in his house, and there's a window, and the wolf is outside, and he's practically nothing but a big eye looking into the house, the room at the pig, and. I've remembered that all my life because it was so scary. And I found out it was a great uh, Polish illustrator who did this, um, whose name I can't think of, of course. But, uh, you know, all the little things that stick with us. I remember being uh, in kindergarten and watching Frankenstein with Boris Karloff on TV. Oh. And going, oh, I couldn't look away. It was just. Did you ever, like you said, the things that stick with us, specifically that that three little pig book and that illustration have you ever taken a memory like that and gone back in real life and checked it like have you ever tried to find that book and find that illustration again and see if it matches your memory and also if it's as scary as you thought it was as a kid i have that's how i found out about that i got a copy of that book uh maybe 10 years ago and that's how i found out the illustrator was a great polish artist it was an american publication but uh just it it was of course not as scary as when you're little and everything is new right but i knew what i was looking for but it was still so creepy and you know the things they they stick even though things may be technically um surpassed some things just work like one thing i've been thinking about a lot lately is uh jason and the argonauts with ray harryhausen mm-hmm. oh yeah by, by direct with the effects by ray harryhausen just you know effects have come a long way since then but still what a great movie i mean bernard herman scored the the attack of the the children of the hydra's teeth Mm -hmm. the skeleton attack and it still works i think it's incredible too because like like you said a lot of that technology if you just look at effects in film right that's kind of antiquated now or at least we have more options that might look more real but not only was it the best we had, but when we watched that, like Roger, Aaron, me, we all watched that. We all watched those Sinbad movies. We watched those at a time where our brains and our love for that type of stuff were so formulative and like, like those are like core memories, right? Like when you first yeah. watch that, it knocks your socks off. And you, I think even if you don't watch it for another 30 years, when you go back and rewatch it, you might see the strings or you might say this looks old or you might say this is not as scary as I thought. But you could put yourself back in your four or five year old shoes and be like, I feel the same way. I know what I was like watching this mm-hmm. on my parents brown and red couch in New York. I, you know, I remember what toys I was playing with when I dropped them and watched the skeletons start to battle. You know, it's so freaking cool. It's, you know, you talk about the Sinbad movies. Uh, I'm not, I think it was Eye of the Tiger, maybe the one where um, Tom, oh God, uh, Tom Baker mm-hmm. played um, the evil magician. And I love that so much because 
it had something I'd never seen before. Every time he uses his magic, it takes something out of him. He gets older looking. It's older, and yeah. He's weakening, he's weakening himself by using this power, but he has to to get what he wants. And that, that whole idea that I thought it was so brilliant, it stuck with me because similarly, um, if you if you haven't if you've seen um, the Thief of Baghdad with Sabu and Conrad Veidt, the great Conrad Veidt, who was Major Strasse in Casablanca, and he was Cesar the Somnambulist in the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, another a great silent horror film, fantastic, like OG he, classic. He, he played the evil vizier in Thief of Baghdad, and there's a great moment where he wants this woman who is in love with the hero, and he he uses his power on her, and she you can see her giving in, but he stops. He pulls back, and he says, it's not the same. It wouldn't be the same. He wants her real love, not to right. make her like a puppet, and that's just... That's great. That's and you'll ne how could you never ever forget watching that right for the first second time? Wow. Yeah, and those eff the effects in in that uh, Thief of Baghdad with Rex Ingram as the giant genie who flies Sabu mm -hmm. to the great temple at the top of the world where he has to crawl in through the eye of the the idol to to steal the eye of the idol and fight a giant spider. It's a cheesy spider, but still it's, you love it right yeah it's great filmmaking i mean i Eric, clash of the you don't Titans, you don't have to have that much i'm sorry i'm, I'm on a roll no I'm sorry. no i, I no, I'm just <laughs> i was just but, saying clash of the titans is is that one for me like the the, the medusa and that and and the kraken like all that stuff those old school effects and that old adventure really instill something when you see it at the right age you know or, or movies that have no effects but have great cinematography and design and actors in them like mad love with peter Lorre, where mm -hmm. he plays a, a doctor who who is in love with this woman who is the star at the grand guignol theater in paris and her husband is a concert pianist who um is in a train wreck he's in the same cabin with a convicted knife murderer and there's a train wreck and the concert pianist loses his hands but this doctor grafts the knife murderer's hands onto the concert pianist and then starts playing with his mind to drive him crazy so he the doctor can get to his wife <laughs> it's i mean seeing peter peter i think that was peter Lorre's first film in the united states and it is so creepy and weird but you know there're no Again, the monster is inside the mind and heart of the people in it, and uh, there there aren't any real effects, but just great film, cinematography, and design. And at the end, Peter Lorre has a pretty iconic. I think I think everybody's seen this, whether they know it's from right. this movie or not. Where he has like they look like robot arms, they look like robot hands. Um, yeah, <laughs> but they're gauntlets, and he's in like this neck brace. Really horrifying imagery. Um, yes, striking and. <laughs> Mad, Mad Love, you know, all that all that film noir horror era is just pretty brilliant. I, I mean, Peter Lorre, I mean, he's one of those people you can watch anything he's in, whether it's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, whether it's M, whether it's Mad Love. Like yeah. he is, I think, one of the one of the best actors and character actors because he plays anything you hand him perfectly. Like Mad Love, yeah. he's, you know, a crazy 
obsessive uh you know this crazy obsessive in m he's a serial killer put on trial by other serial killers and in Twenty Thousand leagues on your sea he's like the 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 nerdy sidekick but he's the one who's right yes (laughs) elsie elsie bakeman you can see that balloon stuck in the the telephone yeah that the little girl was carrying i think that was (laughs) my introduction to him and it was just like what yeah, I mean, okay. it's so good. I, yeah, Peter Lorre, if you guys don't don't know, haven't seen any of his movies, just stop and watch a couple of them. They are, you can't go wrong. Well, you there are some things like, okay, we're, I, for some reason, I realized I seem to like werewolf movies a lot. Oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> because they're awesome. <laughs> werewolf of London made around that same time, the early 30s with Henry Hull is, you know, again, great. It, has one of the best makeup werewolf makeups ever and great uh, design cinematography but it's and it is the only movie where the werewolf on his first night is going out to kill and is leaving the house but he stops to take a scarf off of the the coat rack and put him on before he goes out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> he's a short that's dresser a, that's a werewolf yeah a werewolf of the fashion sense i get it Werewolves of London. Well, yeah, Warren Zevon. Rumi, you brought up the uh, the the robot arms, mm-hmm. and to pull us back into space, I have yeah. another kill. Hit me, hit Got me. Another go. kill. So the space station is working with a experimental gravity anti gravity device <laughs> where they could create their own gravity. And uh, Ghostface, of course, knows this. So we'll put some exposition in the beginning so that the audience is aware. Ghostface is chasing a girl. She runs into an like a big cargo area, and we see a really bitchin' mech suit that makes us think of another movie in space. And maybe Ghostface could throw a line towards her as she gets closer to the mech suit, and maybe he could say, "Get away from her! Get away from that, you bitch!" As he flips the switch and turns the gravity off, so now everyone starts to float, including the mech suit. And as she tries to strap into the mech suit, he turns the gravity back on, causing everything to fall to the floor. Her first, the mech suit on top of her. Squish! Squish. So this is Ghostface PhD, right? (laughs) He evolves, like we said. He evolves as, as, I mean, he's not the same guy, right? So we don't know. That's the other thing, too, Roger, and an audience. We don't know who the killer or killers are yet. <laughs> it could be an astronaut. It could be a CEO. It could be, I don't know, who else is on a space station? Other science people? <laughs> right now, Roger's the guy in the movie theater being like, I know who it is. I can see this on the <laughs> He's like, I can already call it. This guy knows too much about physics to not be this person. <laughs> the other person. Well, there'll be a sign that says anti-gravity switch. So, like, it's not like like we could operate it. <laughs> it's got a little diagram for us idiots. Yeah, like, green and red. Yeah, first. it's gonna it's it's gonna be pretty user friendly. <laughs> it's a ghost face robot being operated by Skynet. <laughs> There's the crossover. There's dress, the crossover. Dress rehearsal for uh, for Judgment Day. <laughs> I shall kill the astronauts first to see if I can get away with this. <laughs> of course, all computers have to have an evil voice like that, right? Well, they all have the evil voice or the Siri voice, so either or. 
evil Siri voice? Is that a thing? It's it's when it's when Siri gets annoyed with me when I'm like changing my timer for the eleventh time, and it's like, sure thing, Aaron, and I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> or, or Stephen Hawking. If you hang up on me again, you bitch, I will gut you like a fish. <laughs> Can you handle that, Blondie? <laughs> what if we had a robot, Rumi, that was not either not bipedal or was not human sized? Like, so think of R2D2, a very anti human sized robot. But at the end, when they pull the mask off, that's who it is. Just so the whole time, yeah, the whole time we see Ghostface as a like six foot tall man type figure chasing people around. But at the end, they pull it off, they have that like zoinks, that like jinkies moment of, oh, it was R2D2 all along. I would have gotten them if it weren't for you meddling kids. <laughs> All right, yeah. I don't think the I don't think the robot should really be a killer, but we need to have a robot. And well, Roger, you're hired to do the voices for the robot as well. Thank you. <laughs> I can feel it, Dave. Just a moment. Just a moment. I think there's someone with a knife nearby. <laughs> Speaking of 2001. Oh my ah. god! Now I have to watch that movie when we get off this. Oh, it's, I mean, it's a classic for a reason. It's a little weird, you know, it definitely is a weird one, but I, I love how cerebral it gets and visually it's stunning. And to think again, they did that all practically. It was all done camera tricks, all done miniature yeah. sets. Like that stuff all just blows my mind when you look at it. And I, I, I don't want to get like too far off, but that's like one of those like second or third date movies you bring that up. And if she says, oh yeah, it's good, but it's boring. You're like, thank you for your time. Good, good, good luck. <laughs> you know, um, I wish you yeah. the best. <laughs> there are literally movies I haven't shown my wife yet for that very reason. <laughs> we've, been, we've been together for for twenty years now. It's like we and you have a two seen, you have a two year old right, and we have a two year old, and she's like she's like I haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. And I'm like I'm afraid I'm afraid to show it to you. <laughs> the nail in the coffin it. movie. Oh God. Uh, uh, so, science, the science is all right in 2001. That's one of the things I love. That's why I liked yeah. the reboot of Battlestar Galactica so much. Everything was right. No sound in space. No, you know, just uh, everything was perfect about it. I I love that. The whole talk about creepy, the whole opening thing of the first episode. Are you human? Yes. Yes, I am. Prove it. <laughs> So, if you're if you're looking for scientific accuracy, you're probably not going to like some of the rest of our pitch here. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we get into Act Three. Time for more I think maybe. <laughs> yeah, time a to couple go get liberties there. here. Uh, so getting into Act Three, turns out that <laughs> the ghost face on Earth, the second, because the, there's always two. Turns out it's Tori Spelling. She's trying to end the franchise because this has pigeonholed her into uh, <laughs> stab movies. So she and Gail Weathers have a huge climactic battle down on the ground. Up in space, it turns out it's one of the astronauts is uh, actually related to Dewey. So um, they're like, uh, he's like, Lori <laughs> Metcalf. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah. Bring her back. You've been you've been making money off of my um, off of my my cousin's nephew's brother's death for all this time. And I'm pissed off. So I want to end it. And, uh, you know, all the CEOs are dead. Basically everybody, but but uh, this astronaut and and uh, a and our Sydney Prescott and they're fighting on the well, outside. Wait, before we get there, I want to do the airlock kill. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're Tatum. I want there here. to be an airlock kill. Like I want there to be that two sliding doors that interlock together, just like Alien or Aliens, and chasing like a a big boobed girl because there's big boobed astronauts. I'm assuming or big boobed CEOs at least, 
and Ghostface is chasing her. And as he's chasing her, he shuts the airlock door in front of her, a cargo bay door in front of her. And she gets there and she's banging on the door and he's coming up behind her. And she looks down and she notices a little doggy door. It's, for the, it's for the robot. It's for the R2-D2. Oh, there you go. So we need the robot. I wasn't even going to explain it. I was just going to say doggy door. And it's a callback to the Tatum death in the first one. So she starts to try to climb through that little door. He hits the, the switch to open the door and the door just chops her in half. Yes. Please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. <laughs> there will right. be no more sequels. <laughs> this is the seventh movie. There are no more sequels. <laughs> so they're out on the outside of the space station. Sidney Prescott fighting Ghostface. And he said, you know, he's like, you, you can't kill me. You know, you know, you can't kill me. And she has the knife and she looks at him and she knows she, she won't be able to get to him in time. So she turns the opposite direction and chucks it into space. And he's like, well, that was a dumb thing to do. Gives him the chance to go inside, slip in. They're fighting inside. And Sidney Prescott kicks him into the escape pod, hits the button, the one, the labeled green with the little diagram of the <laughs> stick figure. And escape pod, go. She keeps looking at her watch. And as the escape pod begins to launch up, she looks at the watch and says, what goes around comes around. And the knife that she threw off into space is now completely orbited around the earth flies through the window of the escape pod and stabs Ghostface right in the face. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there was no one aboard, Lord Vader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what goes around comes around. Come on. So here's a huge question <sighs> about Ghostface in space. Where does he and wear the Roger, mask? You're the only one you're qualified. You're the only one. You're the only one qualified <laughs> to answer this question. So we needed you on this episode. How does he wear the helmet with the mask? Does he put the mask on, then put the helmet on? Does he put the helmet on, then puts the mask on over the outside? <laughs> does he put the helmet on and paint the mask on the front? How, how does Ghostface, how does he, what's his, his the mechanics of his costume in space? Well, maybe he could glue it to the chest like a sigil, like a knight's sigil. Uh, there you have go. You ever, have you ever seen um, Marie Severin, the, the great uh, comic artist who worked for everybody, DC, Marvel, EC, <clears throat> she did some pictures of the EC bullpen, and her picture of Jack Davis had him. They were all dressed as Arthurian characters, and Jack Davis was in black, was the Black Knight, and the sigil on his chest was the ghost face mask. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's just like uh, she did, um, well, somebody says this was a commission that they got from her, but in the book I read, it said that she had done this as a holiday card for EC where the old witch from the vault of horror is, is decorating mm -hmm. a little tree and all of the, the decorations on the tree are tiny ghost face masks. When was this about? Do you know? Uh, late forties, early fifties. Yeah. Wow. And uh, she's again, she had, she used that uh, ghost face as the sigil on Jack Davis's picture in the EC bullpen. And uh, she used it a couple of other times. That mask goes way back. It is wow. very, I mean, it's very iconic. It's very um, generalized, I guess, like very vague. And, it, you know, it doesn't uh, now, especially our society knows it as archetype, right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Archetype. That's the big boy word for it. So he could glue it to his chest or, or put it on top of the helmet. <laughs> Like some kind of pollutant. <laughs> it does present a visual problem for the film, though, right? Like we gotta, we gotta figure that out. I'm thinking well, there'd be no, weird. no, no wind resistance in space, but uh, you know. <laughs> 
yeah, his like flowing it. cloak doesn't doesn't quite have the same impact when there's no gravity. <laughs> but the blood in space would look so, like so in, cool. blood and anti gravity would be so cool, and I think we can we could play with that so much. Yeah, well, you opened it up with it, didn't you? The mask, yeah, hitting the blood droplets. That's a good image. <laughs> All right, so what's is that, Ruby? As far as a pitch goes, that's the just majority of yeah. And at the at the, the end, stuff, right? uh, Sydney Prescott gets rescued, and uh, she goes down and high fives Gail Weathers in a in a Carl in a in a Carl Weathers Arnold Schwarzenegger Arnold level. Schwarzenegger. Oh, you son of a bitch! Even though we didn't uh, say we didn't vanquish the Tory Spelling killer, I just realized that. I mean, okay, but then your your final image has to be some little kid who picks up a ghost face mask and then looks at them. Bingo. Yeah. Dang. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and I, I want it to be a little kid that is the in end question I, mark. I want him to be in ground control for no reason. We haven't seen him before. He's not explained. <laughs> He's just there. Yes. Oh, let's make it an alien kid on a different planet. Right, like a little green boy with little green dinglings on his head and a little overall. <laughs> uh, what hath goth wrought? <laughs> this is true. I mean, they're good. the studios are calling right now. <laughs> they're, they're in the, they're the phones in the- are ringing off the hook. We're, 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 we got Ghostface on the line, so we can't hang up with him. So we'll have to get those. We'll get back to the studios later. <laughs> <laughs> well. If if it ends in space, where could they possibly go from here? I mean, uh, what is the next Scream sequel? I have ideas. What do you think, Roger? Scream. So Scream Seven is in space. It ends about how we said. Uh, where do you no. think Scream Eight could go? Uh, no. Dream Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Dreamscape. That's it. That was a pretty good movie too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. What do you Dream think? Scream? What do you think, Matt? Dream Wild Scream. West. Wild West. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> or medieval times. That was my other call. <laughs> I would do like me. I both actually medieval times. The more I think about it, the more I like it. <laughs> if thou dost tear up my parchment again, I shall gut thee like a. <laughs> so for that one, you got to think: Is someone going back in time, or is it just the, the, a scream type killing happening back then? I kind of like the idea of one or two people going back in time. And then they meet the rest of the cast, but in the older days. So, like you see, old day, old timey Nev Campbell, old timey um, Dewey, old timey Gale. It's not Gale, but she's like the town crier, and she has a name that sounds like Gale, and she is played by Courtney Cox. Back to the Future in Woodsboro. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's the crossover this? we need. It sounds more like we're heading into uh, Billy the Kid versus Dracula territory here. Uh- I was yeah, going to say mean, that'd be the ninth movie in a series, right? <laughs> I was going to say time after time, the 1979 film where HG Wells chases Jack the Ripper through time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, what a good movie. What a good movie. I had good. a friend in that movie who is the single greatest improviser I've ever met. His name was Jim Crana. He was in uh, American graffiti, Mrs. Doubtfire. And he's the guy in the McDonald's who's staring at, uh, H.G. Wells while he's trying to eat a, figure out how to eat a hamburger. <laughs> uh, Jim Crana, brilliant man. Hmm. All right, let's book him. Does he know how to do medieval time shit? I'm afraid he's gone away. Oh, oh. The good ones are. Oh, so yeah. What do you think, Rumi? Where's where are we going for Scream Eight? That's what I'm saying. Time after time, man. Time. I will always go time travel. You know, or or or. <laughs> 
You can go. Um, you could do do um, ghost last face action everywhere hero. All, all at once. <laughs> everywhere, yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once. I was gonna say, uh, what's that? What's bizarro that ghost face where everyone in the world is a ghost face and they're getting killed by somebody <laughs> yeah. who doesn't wear a mask. Oh, see. Oh, I like that. Um, last action hero where where ghost face goes into the movies and starts killing uh, Arnold Schwarzeneggers and Terminators and Predators and jumping from movie to movie. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but uh-huh. <laughs> what about like a legendary crossover with Godzilla? Ghostface somehow gets ginormousized. Uh, you know, I'm always down to put Godzilla. Yeah, in you'd watch for, that in a second. You don't need no a script reason for that. You just, you just want 90 minutes of that fight. Okay, Ghostface <laughs> is killing someone in the Nevada desert when an atomic bomb goes off, and suddenly it's colossal Ghostface. Okay. It was the go. fastest film script that has ever been written <laughs> attack of the 50 foot ghost face <gasps> i'll gut you all like fish i would watch like 30 of the movies we've invented tonight <laughs> this is siri don't forget your 10 o'clock meeting with paramount executives tomorrow morning they can't wait. I mean, <laughs> Spyglass is knocking down our door. They're like, wait, you guys are going too fast. We can't be right. Great ideas. So then they mix them up. It's in the Wild West, traveling through time, growing giant. Like, it's just every single. It's just, yeah, it's it's everything. In space. In Tra- Travel through time in the Old West in space. With dinosaurs. I want dinosaurs involved now. Although, what if we... Shows what if up we, riding a raptor? <laughs> no, Rumi, we just discussed, all three of us have agreed that it has to be within the realm of possibility. You can't ride the dinosaur. They're escaped. Like, it's a double threat. The teens are worried about dinosaurs and Ghostface. <laughs> <laughs> what about if we jump genres and make it a love story? So, like, now... Ghostface is a more empathetic character and we kind of care about what he's trying to do and who he's trying to do it with. What if he tries to, what if he falls in love with, with his target instead of wanting to gut her silence of the lamb style? <laughs> no, no creepy aspect at all. Only the first four minutes are a screen movie. And then it turns into, I don't know what, what's a love movie. Some girl. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of like what, like- Basic Instinct, or something. <laughs> you know, I I never watched Basic Instinct because I saw Play Misty for me. Yes, mm-hmm. and I thought, God, you know, Jessica was so incredible. I I said I've already seen this. I don't want to see it with a, another way. <laughs> I can't. Oh, that was a hard one. So I've never seen Basic Instinct, but it's Play Misty for me is one of those movies that for some reason Amazon really wants me to watch right now like every time i turn uh-huh. on my tv it's like you might want to watch play misty for me and i'm it's like kismet i've seen it there before i'd watch it but there's other things i wanted to watch tonight and amazon's like are you sure i'll, I'll, I'll remind are you again you tomorrow sure? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like the bodyguard he he thinks he's trying to kill the new sydney but then another serial killer hedges in he's like whoa 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 and then he like falls for her and she's like wait you were going to kill me. He's like, I was at first, but now I fell in love with you. Just like, it Oh, see, I was going to say, we should do a, uh, uh, is it? She's all that. Where like, <laughs> he's going to be a serial killer and he tries to kill her, but then they try to change him into like a, a cool guy. 
and oh, by the end of the movie <laughs> i kind of seen this movie we've hey, seen it a thousand times it's 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 pedro almodovar tie me up tie me down that might have been the first one i don't know that <laughs> yeah movie. i don't know that that that's you lost me on that one. Oh, oh if you haven't seen tie me up tie me down then you must this oh. is back in the days before uh when and uh antonio banderas was part of almodovar's uh stock troop of actors and he was not yet the star he would be when he came to the united states but he's the male lead in the movie and uh i won't tell you anymore except the guy kidnapped someone and i'll leave you with that tie me up tie me down oh my goodness look at this cast (laughs) oh my the pictures okay hmm interesting okay we're gonna watch this and we'll get back to you (laughs) yeah we got some homework now oh my goodness (laughs) well scream in space there it goes guys the next oscars sweeping the next oscars we will be (laughs) 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 maybe the razzies maybe not the oscars maybe we'll sweep the razzies instead (laughs) i don't think we're gonna win any awards but i mean i'm watching it I mean, I'm buying it on Blu-ray, DVD, Laserdisc, <laughs> digital. Roger, movie. if they reached out to you and asked you to do the voice for it, would you be on board for it? You wouldn't have to go to space. You could do it terrestrially. <laughs> I always have to be on location. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. All right, Rumi, what, what else we got? Anything left? Anything left? That's all we room? had written down. We have, uh, no, that's all we have for now. Well, Shh. I think we need to blast this thing off then. Um, this is the best because we always say that at the end of every episode because we're the Launchpad Podcast. Seven, we got to blast five, this thing off. Eight, uh, seven, six, five. Oh. All right. So this is the most apropos blast this off we've ever done. Um, Roger, I don't know if we did the handshake last time, but we have a secret handshake where we start sideways. We in. We invert it like a rocket ship, and then we blast off with a raspberry. So we could do a three-way secret handshake right here. Ready? Yeah, ready? Three, All two, right. one. Count us down, Rooms. Three, two, one. <laughs> oh, man. This has been good. Roger, what do you have out right now? Any Anything people should keep an eye out for? What What do you have to promote? Anything we need to, to watch next? The next screen movie won't be out for a minute, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I've uh, been working on a couple of video games a little bit. Uh, always looking for work. You know, you gotta, you gotta, I got doctor bills to pay. Like the guy <laughs> says in, uh, in, in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I gotta pay the bills, you know. I have some uh, audio books out there of varying uh, subjects, which people might like. Oh, yeah. I, I'd listen. Uh, where can they find those? Is that on Audible? Yeah, Audible, Amazon, they're all there. All right, I'm guys. Trying, well, I won't get into that because it's too far away. But uh, what tease? I, I, I'm I'm trying to. I've been trying for years to get uh, produced the audiobook version of "With the Bent Fin Boomer Boys" on Little Old New Alabama, where the planet of New Alabama just has to destroy the planet of New Haiti because you know. Anyway. <laughs> It was a great uh, sort of novella that was in uh, volume two, Again, Dangerous Visions, edited by Harlan Ellison. Oh, wow. That sounds awesome. So, fingers crossed. Yes. Keep us posted. We'd love to talk to you more about that. All exciting guys, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod. And our website, launchpadpod.com. And, of course, YouTube. Uh, big shout out to all our listeners in India. I know we blew up after that RRR <laughs> review, so 
Thank you to anybody who's still listening to us and welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. Till next time, we are the Rocketeers. We are out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.